Hey, all you Tolkien heads. I'm David Gaddy. And I'm Jeremiah Orr from the Theonauts Podcast. And you're listening to the Secret Fire Podcast with your hosts, Michael, Micah, and Brendan. Right here on the GCT Network, your great commission transmission. And now, my old friend, this will be a night to remember. Broadcasting from Lothlorien, Middle-earth, this is The Secret Fire Podcast, sent to burn at the heart of the world, episode number 40. I'm Michael. And I'm Micah. On this episode, Gimli and the Tent of Galadriel. Who can dwell in the house of the Lord? Gimli. Gimli can. Let's find out why. We invite you to come along, join the fellowship, become a servant of The Secret Fire right here on the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission Transmission. Michael, we did it. We said that we would be back in two weeks, and it's exactly two weeks. It's almost like some kind of trick or something. Oh, or or like a like a new habit, perhaps. Mm. Perhaps. Well, let's, let's hope. Yes, let us hope. Uh, we are going to uh, go ahead and jump right into the content here real quick uh, for our new listeners that uh, nobody wants to tune into a new show that they've never heard and listen to people gabbing at the very beginning. So we'll save our gabbing, and boy, do we have some gabbing to do uh, after the uh, main body of this episode. All right. Micah, last time we left off in a flat. Yes. In a talon. What 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 was that all about? What is a flat? It's like a, a tree house. Hey, it really is. It's like a platform up in a tree where we encountered Haldir and two other elves that had been watching the company every, ever since they even uh, uh, approached uh, the borders of Lothlorien, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so we're going to back up just a little bit to uh, get a running start and refresh our memory. When Frodo came at last up onto the flat, he found Legolas seated with three other elves. They were clad in shadowy gray and could not be seen among the tree stems unless they moved suddenly. They stood up and one of them uncovered a small lamp that gave out a slender silver beam. He held it up, looking at Frodo's face and Sam's. Then he shut off the light again and spoke words of welcome in his elven tongue. Frodo spoke haltingly in return. Welcome, the elf then said again in the common language, speaking slowly. We seldom use any tongue but our own, for we dwell now in the heart of the forest and do not willingly have dealings with any other folk. Even our own kindred in the north are sundered from us. But there are some of us still who go abroad from the gathering for the gathering of news and the watching of our enemies, and they speak the languages of other lands. I am one. Haldir is my name. My brothers, Rumel and Orofin, speak little of your tongue. But we have heard rumors of your coming, for the messengers of Elrond pass by Lorien on their way home up the Dimral Stair. We had not heard of hobbits of halflings for many a long year and did not know that any yet dwelt in middle earth you do not look evil and since you come with an elf of our kindred we are willing to befriend you as elrond asked though it is not our custom to lead strangers through our land 
but you must stay here tonight. How many are you? Eight, said Legolas. Myself, four hobbits, and two men, one of whom, Aragorn, is an elf friend of the folk of Westerness. The name of Aragorn, son of Arathorn, is known in Lorien, said Haldir, and he has the favor of the lady. All then is well, but you have yet spoken only of seven. The eighth is a dwarf, said Legolas. <laughs> a dwarf, said Haldir, that is not well. We have not had dwellings with the dwarves since the dark days. They are not permitted in our land. I cannot allow him to pass. But he is from the Lonely Mountain, one of Dane's trusty people and friendly to Elrond, said Frodo. Elrond himself chose him to be one of our companions, and he has been brave and faithful. The elves spoke together in soft voices and questioned Legolas in their own tongue. Very good, said Haldir at last. We will do this, though it is against our liking. If Aragorn and Legolas will guard him and answer for him, he shall pass, but he must go blindfold through Lothlorien. But now we must debate no longer. Your folk must not remain on the ground. We have been keeping watch on the rivers ever since we saw a great troop of orcs going north towards Moria along the skirts of the mountains many days ago. Wolves are howling on the woods border. If you have indeed come from Moria, the peril cannot be far behind. Tomorrow early, you must go on. The four hobbits shall climb up here and stay with us. We do not fear them. There is another talon in the next tree. There the others must take refuge. You, Legolas, must answer to us for them. Call us if anything is amiss and have an eye on that dwarf. That's where we left off, correct? Yeah. Okay. Some drama is building here. Mm -hmm. What is this drama? Uh, well, if I if I'm permitted to use the term racial drama, hey, it is, it is, it's uh it's drama between the firstborn of Iluvatar and his adopted children, mm -hmm. which are the dwarves. Remember, Iluvatar's children are the firstborn and those that come after. And I'm sorry, I love that term, the adopted children. Yes, it's just it's beautiful to me. It is, it really is, and there's a great picture of. God and Christ in that, but that will have to wait until one day we get to the Silmarillion, mm -hmm. right? Okay, so as we uh, have this tension building, this drama building up, are you ready? Are you ready, Micah, to carry on? I sure am. Remember what Bilbo used to say? It's a dangerous business, Frodo, going out your door. You step onto the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. Legolas at once went down the ladder to take Haldir's message. And soon afterwards, Merry and Pippin clambered up onto the high flat. They were out of breath and seemed rather scared. There, said Merry, panting. We have lugged up your blankets as well as our own. Strider has hidden all the rest of our baggage in a deep drift of leaves. You had no need of your burdens, said Haldir. It is cold in the treetops in winter, though the wind tonight is in the south. 
But we have food and drink to give you that will drive away the night chill. And we have skins and cloaks to prepare. Food and drink to drive away the night chill. That kind of reminds me of our discussion last episode with the living waters that Jesus stood up on the last day, the great day of the Feast of Booths, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Sukkot said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come unto me. So that actually ties into the magic of of uh, the river Nimrodel, or stream, mm-hmm. really is what it is, right? Okay. The hobbits accepted this second and far better supper very gladly. Then they wrapped themselves warmly, not only in the fur cloaks of the elves, but in their own blankets as well, and tried to go to sleep. But weary as they were, only Sam found that easy to do. Hobbits do not like heights and do not sleep upstairs even when they have any stairs. The flat was not at all to their liking as a bedroom. It had no walls, not even a rail. Hey! (laughs) (laughs) A reoccurring theme, it would seem. Yes. Uh, For newer listeners, Micah and I, whenever we're watching uh, the Lord of the Rings movies or the Hobbit movies, and they come to some kind of a bridge, we say Middle Earth needs more handrails. It's an alternate reality (laughs) where just nobody thought of rails. (laughs) Unneeded. (laughs) Alrighty. Uh, It had no walls, not even rails. Only on one side, there was a light-plated screen which could be moved and fixed in different places according to the wind. I like that. That reminds me a lot of uh, Forachel in Lord of the Rings Online. You're right, it does. Yes. I never thought of that. And yeah. so these, uh, these screens that can be moved wherever the wind is blowing mm-hmm. to keep that chill off of you. Pippin went on talking for a while. I hope if I do... Uh, go to sleep on this bird loft that I shan't roll off, he said. Once I do get to sleep, said Sam, I shall go on sleeping whether I roll off or no. And the less said, the sooner I'll drop off if you take my meaning. Frodo lay for some time awake and looked up at the stars glinting through the pale roof of quivering leaves. Sam was snoring at his side long before he himself closed his eyes. He could dimly see the gray forms of two elves sitting motionless with their arms about their knees, speaking in whispers. The other had gone down to take up his watch on one of the lower branches. At last, lulled by the wind in the boughs above and the sweet murmur of the falls of Nimrodel below, Frodo fell asleep. With the song of Legolas running in his mind. Micah, where are you in Lotro right now? I'm on a Talon, or Talon, however you want to call it, a pronounce flat. it. A flat, yeah, there you go, called Talon Haldir, which I don't know if somewhere in the book it's mentioned that that's the name of this specific Talon, but... I think that they did that just to identify it in Lord of the yeah. Rings Online. So I'm up I'm up there, and actually, <coughs> when, when you mentioned the screens, I had never paid that much attention, but I, I was like... Oh, I wonder if they have them in Lotro. I turn around, there's a screen right there. I'd never noticed it And before. lo, there was a screen. It's amazing what you discover when you follow along with yes. it. Yes. And that is, uh, when we're coming down from, um, from, the, uh, uh, from the gates of Moria, and we're going down that path, once you, that's where you veer off to the right and go up the tree. Yeah. And how there's up enter there. the eaves, yeah. Right. Fantastic stuff. Late in the night he woke. 
The other hobbits were asleep. The elves were gone. The sickle moon was gleaming dimly among the leaves. The wind was still. Uh, a little way off, he heard a harsh laugh and the tread of many feet on the ground below. There was a ring of metal. The sound died slowly away and seemed to go southward on into the wood. A head appeared suddenly through the hole in the flat. Frodo sat up in alarm and saw that it was a gray-hooded elf. He looked towards the hobbits. What is it? said Frodo. Shh, said the elf in a hissing whisper and cast onto the flat a rope ladder rolled up. Orcs, said Frodo. What are they doing? But the elf had gone. There were no more sounds. Even the leaves were silent and the very falls seemed to be hushed. Frodo sat up and shivered in his wraps. He was thankful that they had been or not been caught on the ground, but he felt that the trees offered little protection except concealment. Orcs were as keen as hounds on a scent, it was said, but they could also climb. He drew out Sting. It flashed and glittered a like a blue flame and then slowly faded again and grew dull. In spite of the fading of his sword, the feeling, the feeling of immediate danger did not leave Frodo. Rather, it grew stronger. He got up and crawled to the opening and peered down. He was almost certain that he could hear stealthy movements at the tree's foot far below. Not elves, for the woodland folk were altogether noiseless in their movements. Then he heard faintly a sound like sniffing, and something seemed to be scrabbling on the bark of the tree trunk. He stared down into the dark, holding his breath. Something was now climbing slowly, and its breath came like a soft hissing through closed teeth. Then coming up, close to the stem, Frodo saw two pale eyes. They stopped and gazed upward, unwinking. Suddenly, they turned away, and a shadowy figure slipped around the trunk of the tree and vanished. Immediately afterwards, Haldir came climbing swiftly up through the branches. There was something in this tree that I have never seen before, he said. It was not an orc. It fled as soon as I touched the tree stem. It seemed to be wary and to have some skill in trees, or I might have thought that it was one of you hobbits. Remember, Micah, back episode number one, when we were uh, going through concerning hobbits? Yeah. And we talked a little bit about the three types of hobbits that there are. Uh, there are the uh, Harfoots, mm -hmm. which what we're most familiar with, the Fallow Hides, and the Stores. The Stores were really sundered for the most part from the other two hobbit groups mm -hmm. and they were very different even though they were hobbits they liked water and uh, apparently I could go so far as to surmise that they like climbing trees as well whereas we've seen that that uh, uh, Mary and Pippin and Sam and well all of none of them want to be in this tree they don't want to go up and they don't want to go down no. <laughs> They wish that they had never encountered this tree. Yeah. Basically, what it what it comes down to, and we know that. Uh, well, we know who this is talking about. 
especially when Haldir says, or I might have thought that it was one of you hobbits. Well, this creature was a hobbit. Long, long, long ago, before being completely corrupted by this ring, right? Um, we'll learn more about that later on, but I wanted to point that out, how, how different uh, the, the, the race of stores are. Mm-hmm. I did not shoot, for I dared not arouse any cries. We cannot risk battle. A strong company of orcs has passed. They crossed the Nimrodel, cursed their foul feet in its clean water, and went on down the old road beside the river. They seemed to pick up some scent, and they searched the ground for a while near the place where you halted. The three of us could not challenge a hundred, so we went ahead and spoke with feigned voices, leading them on into the wood. Orifin has now gone in haste back to our dwellings to warn our people. None of the orcs will ever return out of Lorien. Wow. And there will be many elves hidden on the northern border for another night falls before another night falls but you must take the road south as soon as it is fully light day came pale from the east as the light grew it filtered through the yellow leaves of the malorn and it seemed to the hobbits that the early sun of a cool summer's morning was shining pale blue sky peeped among the moving branches Looking through an opening in the south side of the flet, Frodo saw all the valley of the Silverlode lying like a sea of fallow gold tossing gently in the breeze. This goes along with that description that we were talking about, uh, what it looks like in Lord of the Rings Online. Yeah. Just gold. Yeah. As far as the eye can see. There's gold in them, thar. Anyway, okay. <laughs> Let's see here. Whoops. Oh, don't turn page. Okay. The morning was still young and cold when the company set out again, guided now by Haldir and his brother Rumel. Farewell, sweet Nimrodel, cried Legolas. Frodo looked back and caught a gleam of white foam among the gray tree stems. Farewell, he said. It seemed to him that he would never hear again a running water so beautiful, forever blending its innumerable notes in an endless, changeful music. That's poetry right there. Well, that's what Tolkien does best. <laughs> oh, my goodness. They went back to the path that still went on along the west side of the Silverlode, and for some way, they followed it southward. There were the prints of orc feet in the earth. But soon Haldir turned aside into the trees and halted on the bank of the river under their shadows. There is one of my people yonder across the stream, he said, though you may not see him. He gave a call like the low whistle of a bird and out of the thicket of young trees an elf stepped clad in gray, but with his hood thrown back. His hair glinted like gold in the morning sun. Haldir skillfully cast over the stream a coil of gray rope, and he caught it and bound the end about a tree near the bank. Celebrant is already a strong stream here, as you can see. 
said Haldir, and it runs both swift and deep and is very cold. We do not set foot in it so far north unless we must. But in these days of watchfulness, we do not make bridges. This is how we cross. Follow me. He made his end of the rope fast about another tree and then ran lightly along it over the river and back again as if he were on a road. I can walk this path, said Legolas, but the others have not this skill. Must they swim? No, said Haldir. We have two more ropes. We will fasten them above the other, one shoulder high and another half. And holding these, the strangers should be able to cross with care. When his slender bridge had been made, the company passed over. Some cautiously and slowly, others more easily. Of the hobbits, Pippin proved the best, for he was sure-footed, and he walked over quickly, holding only with one hand. But he kept his eyes on the bank ahead and did not look down. Sam shuffled along, clutching hard and looking down into the pale, eddying water as if it was a chasm in the mountains. He breathed with relief when he was safely across. Live and learn, as my gaffer used to say, though he was thinking of gardening, not of roosting like a bird, nor of trying to walk like a spider. Not even my Uncle Andy ever did a trick <laughs> like that. When at last, or when at length, all the company was gathered on the east bank of the Silverlode, the elves untied the ropes and coiled two of them. Rumel, uh, Rumel, who had remained on the other side, drew back the last one, slung it on his shoulder, and with a wave of his hand, went away back to Nimrodel to keep watch. Now, friends, said Haldir, you have entered the Nath of Lorien, or the Gore, as you would say, for it is the land that lies like a spearhead between the arms of Silverload and Anduin the Great. We allow no strangers to spy out the secrets of the Nath. Few indeed are permitted even to set foot there. As was agreed, I shall here bl blindfold the eyes of Gimli the Dwarf. The others may walk free for a while until we come nearer to our dwellings down in uh, Egladil, in the angle between the waters. Uh-oh, what's going to happen? <coughs> This was not at all to the liking of Gimli. <laughs> the agreement was made without my consent, he said. I will not walk blindfold like a beggar or a prisoner. I am no spy. My folk have never had dealings with any of the servants of the enemy. Neither have we done harm to the elves. I am no more likely to betray you than Legolas or any other of my companions. I do not doubt you, said Haldir, yet this is our law. I am not the master of the law. I cannot set it aside. I have done much in letting you set foot over the Celebrant. Gimli was obstinate. He planted his feet firmly apart and laid his hand upon the haft of his axe. I will go forward free, he said, or I will go back and seek my own land where I am known to be true of word, though I perish alone in the wilderness. 
You cannot go back, said Haldir sternly. Now you have come thus far, you must be brought before the Lord and the lady. They shall judge you, to hold you, or to give you leave as they will. You cannot cross the rivers again, and behind you there are now secret sentinels that you cannot pass. You would be slain before you saw them. Gimli drew his axe from his belt. Haldir and his companion bent their bows. A plague on dwarves and their stiff necks, said Legolas. Come, said Aragorn. If I am still to lead this company, you must do as I bid. It is hard upon the dwarf to be thus singled out. We will all be blindfold, even Legolas. That will be best, though it will make the journey slow and dull. Gimli laughed suddenly. Ha ha, a merry troop of fools we shall look. Will Haldir lead us all on a string like many blind beggars with one dog? But I will be content if only Legolas here shares my blindness. I am an elf and a kinsman here, said Legolas, becoming angry in his turn. Now let us cry a plague on the stiff necks of elves, said Aragorn. But the company shall all fare alike. Come, bind our eyes, Haldir. I shall claim full amends for every fall and stubbed toe if you do not lead us well, said Gimli as they bound a cloth about his eyes. You will have no claim, said Haldir. I shall lead you well, and the paths are smooth and straight. Alas for the folly of these days, said Legolas. Here all are enemies of the one enemy, and yet I must walk blind while the sun is merry in the woodland among under the leaves of gold. Folly it may seem, said Haldir. Indeed in nothing is the power of the Dark Lord more clearly shown than in the estrangement that divides all those who still oppose him. Whoa! What a powerful line. Mm -hmm. Indeed, in nothing is the power of the Dark Lord more clearly shown than in the estrangement that divides all those who still oppose him. Wow. What does that say? about uh, divisions amongst people, especially in our nation. Um, I don't want to carry on. I don't want to get too deep into that. But I think that Tolkien put this line here for a very specific reason, to get a very specific point across. We're all fighting the same evil. We're all fighting against the same enemy, and yet we're bickering and fighting amongst each other. And that's a tool of the enemy. That's a powerful tool of the enemy. Carrying on. Yet so little faith and trust do we find now in the world beyond Lothlorien, unless maybe in Rivendell, that we dare not by our own trust endanger our land we live now upon an island amid many perils, and our hands are more often upon the bowstring 
than upon the harp. The rivers long defended us, but they are a sure guard no more. For the shadow has crept northward all about us. Some speak of departing, yet for that it already seems too late. The mountains to the west are growing evil. To the east the lands are waste and full of Sauron's creatures, and it is rumored that we cannot now safely pass southward through Rohan, and the mouths of the great river are watched by the enemy. Even if we could come to the shores of the sea, we should find no longer any shelter there. It is said that there are still havens of the high elves, but they are far north and west beyond the land of the halflings. But where that may be, though, or but where that may be, though the Lord and Lady may know, I do not. You ought to at least you ought at least to guess, since you have seen us, said Mary. There are elf havens west of my land, the Shire where the hobbits live. Happy folk are hobbits to dwell near the shores of the sea, said Haldir. It is long indeed since any of my folk have looked on it. Yet still we remember it in song. Tell me of these havens as we walk. I cannot, said Mary. I have never seen them. I have never been out of my own land before, and if I had known what the world outside was like, I don't think I should have had the heart to leave it. That also goes back to our first episode concerning hobbits. One of the points that we made in that was that the hobbits were holed up. <laughs> no pun intended. They were in their little haven and refused to go out and bring light to this dark world. Now, Mary, um, he wasn't forced to go. He went on his own accord, but he did not realize what he was getting into. And so now yeah. it's this constant... Uh, this constant regret, um, this constant second-guessing himself, this constant longing to go home. I wouldn't necessarily say it's regret, because I'm sure he doesn't regret um, going to help his right. friend. Right, yeah, I, I, that was too strong of a word. Yeah, I don't know really what word would best describe it. So, maybe. Trepidation or just the, the unease, um, maybe just uh, more of a grass is greener on the other side, what if, yeah. you know, just those types of things. Yeah, perhaps regret is too strong of a word. Listeners, you let us know what you think about that. Well, anyway, um, I cannot, said Mary. I have never seen them. I have never been out of my own land before, and if I had known what the world outside was like, I don't think I should have had the heart to leave it. Not even to see the fair Lothlorien, said Haldir. The world is indeed full of peril, and in it there are many dark places, but still there is much that is fair. And though all the lands, and though in all lands love is now mingled with grief, it grows perhaps the greater. Some there are among us who sing that the shadow will draw back and peace shall come again. Yet I do not believe that the world about us will ever again be as it was of old, or the light of the sun as it was aforetime. For the elves, I fear, it will prove at best a truce, 
in which they may pass to the sea unhindered and leave the Middle Earth forever. Alas for Lothlorien that I love, it will be a poor life in a land where no Malorn grew. But if there are a million Malorn trees beyond the great sea, none have reported it. As they spoke thus, the company filed slowly along the paths in the wood, led by Haldir, while the other elf walked behind. They felt the ground beneath their feet smooth and soft, and after a while they walked more freely, without fear of hurt or fall. Being deprived of sight, photo, photo. <laughs> Frodo found his hearing and other senses sharpened. He could smell the trees and the trodden grass. He could hear many different notes in the rustle of the leaves overhead, the river murmuring away on his right, and the thin, clear voices of birds high in the sky. He felt the sun upon his face and hands when they passed through an open glade. As, do you know what I want? What do you want? I want, uh, we got the, um, the radio versions of the books. Where they add sound the effects. The BBC, and stuff. yes. I want my um, audiobook with sound effects appropriate to what the characters are hearing. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's very, you know, I, I want everything. But <laughs> just, just a thought I had. Good thought. I would like that too. Now, where was I? Ah, uh, here we go. As soon as he set foot upon the fair bank of Silverload, a strange feeling had come upon him, and it deepened as he walked into the nave. It seemed to him that he had stepped over a bridge of time into a corner of the Elder Days and was now walking in a world that was no more. Okay, stop. What kind of descriptions, Micah? What are we supposed to make of Lothlorien? We haven't even gotten to the, uh, you know, to the main city uh, where uh, Galadriel and Celeborn is. Are what? What are you picturing in your mind as you're reading all of these descriptions? You mean of Lothlorien itself, or well, I often find it very hard to um, describe in my own words because I think Tolkien's words are. Are the best description for it. What what has he described so far? Not the not the words that are used, but what uh, what is he describing every time they are talking about Lothlorien? Ancient, the elder days, the way things were, right before the dark days, pristine, maybe a garden, maybe a garden of Eden, right? Maybe uh, maybe it is a picture of the abode of Iluvatar. Maybe it is a picture of a temple. Um, that is, those are some deep things, too deep for us to go in uh, to on this episode. But just some thoughts from me. Uh, Lothlorien is nothing like anywhere else in Middle Earth. It is going back in time. That's what uh, you know. Uh, it. It seemed to him, it seemed to Frodo, that he had stepped over a bridge of time into a corner of the Elder Days and was now walking in a world that was no more. In Rivendell, there was a memory of ancient things. In Lorien, the ancient things still lived on in the waking world. Evil had been seen and heard there. Sorrow had been known. 
The elves feared and distrusted, distrusted the world outside. Wolves were howling on the woods' borders, but on the land of Lorien, no shadow lay. It is actually, um, in some ways, quite like the Shire in that um, they're both very isolated corners of the world where um, no evil has come at least for a long while. Great point, great point. And like with when it compares to Rivendell, it's like there's the memory of um, ancient things, but Rivendell has, you know, opened its borders to say, I, I guess if... Maybe well, they're they're positioned it. in a in a in a place where they are affected uh, by perhaps uh, a good thing to say about Rivendell is where Lore lives. Yeah. Okay. You have Elrond. Okay. He's the Lore Master. You know, he is the Lore Master. Here you have the realm of his uh, um, of his mother in law, and here is song, music the poetry of the elder days. Yeah, lore being played out right. instead of just and, being in a book. And you have to remember the beauty of this. You go all the way back to the elder days. You go back to the days of the of the trees and you and you have the um the Valar coming over to bring the uh um the high elves, the Eldar to the Undying Lands to Valinor, right? And say, come and live with us. And a bunch of them went. But a bunch stayed as they're all, we'll go, we'll make it there. We're we're moving. We're going along, <laughs> right? And and they just stop and stay, and they're they're so enamored by the beauty of the woods and everything that they, well, let's just set up camp here and just rest for a little bit. Okay, boom, there goes yeah. a thousand years. You guys ready to move a little bit? Yeah, we'll go. They go another 10 feet or so. Let's stay here for a while. It's so beautiful. Well, here you have these elves in Lothlorien, and they're talking. Haldir keeps talking. You know, perhaps one day we'll be able to go to um, to the harbors in the west and set sail for the Undying Lands. They're in no hurry to do this. It's still... Yeah, and that there's so many different um, branching topics of discussion around yes. this, but that that's very... Um, it's a big contrast to what we've seen with the other elves of, of Middle-earth. You know, the elves who have been um, more exposed to the, dark, the growing darkness, and, you know, like, um, the elves that we first meet when the hobbits are leaving the Shire, you know, they're they're on their way. And there's a sorrow. There's like yeah. a veil of sorrow on and them. And they long for the sea. Yes, yes. And later on we'll see, I don't know if this is spoilers, I don't really think it is, but when Legolas sees the sea, then he also has a growing, or an overpowering desire to Well, he hears leave. the music of Olmo and yeah. his uh, um, and his Maiar. So I think the isolation of Lothorian has maybe made them not realize what they're missing or something? Well, it's a, it's a haven, and I'm telling you, it's a to me, it's a picture of a temple. A temple, it's a relationship between... It, this is where uh, the, the presence of a Luvatar is really here. It's, it's really protecting them. Uh, I don't know, uh, you know what all the lore is uh, involved in that. We'll find out later on as we continue on here. 
Um, all that day, the company marched on until they felt the cool evening come and heard the early night wind whispering among many leaves. Remember, they are still blindfolded. Then they rested and slept without fear upon the ground, for their guides would not permit them to unbind their eyes, and they could not climb. In the morning, they went on again, walking without haste. At noon, they halted, and Frodo was aware that they had passed out under the shining sun. Suddenly, he heard the sound of many voices all around him. A marching host of elves had come up silently. They were hastening toward the northern borders to guard against any attack from Moria, and they brought news, some of which Haldir reported the marauding orcs had been waylaid and almost all destroyed. The remnants had fled westward towards the mountain and were being pursued. A strange creature also had been seen running with bent back and with hands near to the ground like a beast and yet not of beast shape. It had eluded capture, and they had not shot it, not knowing whether it was good or ill, and it had vanished down the Silverlode southward. Also, said Haldir, they bring me a message from the Lord and Lady of the Galathrim. You are all to walk free, even the dwarf Gimli. It seems that the Lady knows who and what is each member of your company? New messages have come from Rivendell, perhaps. He removed the bandage first from Gimli's eyes. Your pardon. It's beautiful. Your pardon, he said, bowing low. Look on us now with friendly eyes. Look and be glad, for you are the first dwarf to behold the trees of the Nath of Lorien since Durin's days. I want to stop and talk about Gimli. When we backed up to uh, get a running start uh, for this section of this chapter, we talked about Gimli. And, uh, or we talked about Haldir discussing Gimli. He's untrusted. He's a dwarf. He's not supposed to be. I can't even allow it. Well, then Frodo chimes in for him. He's one of the company. And he's he's been true and faithful to the company, to our mission. Elrond picked him. He's sent by Elrond. And that's going to get their, their ears. El, Elrond is an incredibly important elf. When he speaks, everybody listens. Galadriel listens when Elrond speaks. And then that's when they come up with this thing. Okay, well, we'll blindfold him. He's going to have to be blindfolded. That's our law. I can't do anything about the law. And Gimli, what's his protest? I am a true dwarf. No, uh, uh, no evil could be laid to my account. Where I come from, everybody knows my character. Haldir says, I, you know, we just have to do this. And of course, Aragorn, the great king, a great picture of Jesus, as we have said time and time again, says, hey, bind everybody's eyes. We're all for one and one for all. We are a fellowship and we are in this together. Everybody gets their eyes bound. And now we get this word from the king and queen, right? They know you. 
They know who you are and you, Gimli, are to walk free. I beg your pardon for this, for the last couple of days of this, please. And bowing, prostrating himself to this dwarf and saying, look on us with friendly eyes. Micah, what, what, okay, talk to me, son. About? Talk, talk to me about this Gimli versus our beloved. We love John <laughs> yeah, Reese davies Yeah, let's preface this. We love him. We love him as an actor. John Reese davies one of my favorite actors. Yeah, let's put it this way. We um, have a problem with how the character that he played was, was written. written. And I, but even I do like that version of Gimli, but it's not Gimli, you know? It's a fun character, but it's not Gimli. It's what? like Gimli reimagined. Yeah, let's yes. say that. Yes. Very It's a cartoon Gimli. Yeah. Yeah. He he's used as the butt of jokes. He's, you know, the comedic relief, which you need that in movies. You have I understand. to have that, yes. Yeah. And he is excellent at that because the man is funny. Yeah. But I'm still allowed to complain. Yes. So <laughs> um Gimli is the best word I can describe him as is noble. Every time um I think of a dwarf i think of like a medieval knight you know they have codes they're yes the knight's code you know. yes chivalry and a lot of the characters in tolkien's work are like that they're all very um you know they have codes of ethic they honorable want, yeah they're they're honorable. honorable characters and the dwarves are no exception whatsoever and you know to make him a character where he's you know oh i'm gonna burp after i have he's a, beer, a clown you know? yeah he's a clown and i just because Gimli's one of my favorite characters and I, you know, I love this, the book version of Gimli because he is, he is awesome. true. He, yes, yes. He's just awesome. I mean, you could, you just use the word awesome. Okay. Uh, I've been talking about uh, Lothlorien as, um, as a, uh, a haven, as a garden, mm -hmm. as a temple as a place where the presence of Iluvatar um, uh, or the initial fingerprint of Iluvatar, we could say, um, is, is, is true. Remember, let me back up here, because people are going to say, well, the Valar created um, uh, Arda, Ea, Arda, Middle-earth. Yes, they did, but only by knowing the song that Iluvatar gave them. Through inspiration. Yes, here's say. your blueprints. This yeah. is what, you know, uh, when when they were singing it and having this vision, they said, that's what we want. Well, they could only have that if they had that part of, of the song from Iluvatar. So, okay, so ultimately speaking, it's Iluvatar's song. It's his party, okay? Uh, and, and so uh, a haven, uh, a a garden, an Eden, a tabernacle, a a, a, a temple of Iluvatar. This, we're going to go back to Psalm number Psalm fifteen, and man, Micah, listen very closely as I read this. I'm going to read it out of the New Revised Standard Version, and tell me if you can detect Gimli in here. All right, Psalm fifteen, a Psalm of David. O Lord. Who may abide in your tent? And who may dwell on your holy hill? Those who walk blamelessly and do what is right and speak the truth from their heart. 
who do not slander with their tongue and do no evil to their friends, nor take up a reproach against their neighbors, in whose eyes the wicked are despised, but who honor those who fear the Lord, who stand by their oath even to their hurt, who do not lend money at interest and do not take a bribe against the innocent. Those who do these things shall never be moved. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Who may dwell in your tent, O Lord? Who may dwell on your holy hill? Those are the questions. Answer, those who walk blamelessly and do what is right. Gimli. He certainly does, yeah. And speak the truth from their heart. Gimli. Mm -hmm. Who do not slander with their tongue and do do no evil to their friends. Gimli. (laughs) Nor take up reproach against their neighbors. Gimli. In whose eyes the wicked are despised. Yes. Gimli. But who honor those who fear Yahweh or Iluvatar. Yes, Gimli. Who stand by their oath even to their, let me insert a word, their own hurt. That's one of the biggest ones. Yes. Because he took an oath to be with the fellowship, and we'll see later yes, on. Yes, we will see. Who stand by their oath even to, he's That's honorable. That's honor. Who do not lend money at interest and do not take a bribe against the innocent. Those who do these things shall never be moved. Those who do these things shall abide in the Lord's tent. Those who do these things will dwell on the Lord's holy hill. Those who do these things will be permitted to pass without blindfold free. You are free to operate, Gimli, is what Lord Celebrant, or Kel- did I say that? But that's Celebrant is a... a yeah. Um, uh, Celeborn, yeah, sorry, Celebrant <laughs> is a... Is a stream um and the lady galadriel okay but that's not all there's one more psalm that i want to do and uh this is psalm one and i know this one by heart out of the new american standard bible now that i said that i know it by heart i'm sure to stumble over it (laughs) how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of waters, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he will prosper. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the assembly of the righteous, nor sinners. I'm sorry, therefore, see, I did goof it up. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. That goes hand in hand with this psalm, Psalm 15 and Psalm 1. So, dear listeners, read those two psalms and uh, and and think about Gimli in this section of the chapter of Lothlorien. Mike, anything you want to add to that? No, I think you got it. He is a great, great man. 
a dwarf. Half a man. An adopted child. No, he's just all dwarf, man. (laughs) Adopted son of Eru Iluvatar. And uh, we all are adopted sons of Yahweh. When his eyes were were in turn uncovered... Wait, how, how far are we from the end of the chapter, Micah? We are a page and a half. We'll make it. Yes. Okay. When his eyes were in turn uncovered, Frodo looked up and caught his breath. They were standing in an open space. To the left stood a great mound covered with a sward of grass as green as springtime in the elder days. Upon it, as a double crown, grew two circles of trees. The outer bark, the outer had bark of snowy white and were leafless but beautiful in their shapely nakedness. The inner were malorn trees of great height, still arrayed in pale gold. High amid the branches of a towering tree that stood in the center of all, there gleamed a white flet. At the feet of the trees and all about the green hillsides, the grass was studded with small golden flowers shaped like stars. Among them, nodding on slender stalks, were other flowers, white and palest green. They glimmered as a mist amid the rich hue of the grass. Over all the sky was blue and the sun of afternoon glowed upon the hill and cast long green shadows beneath the trees. Behold, you are come to Kirin Amroth. Ooh, Amroth. That was uh, Nimmerdell's love, Mm -hmm. beloved. You have come to Kirin Amroth, said Haldir, for this is the heart of the ancient realm as it was long ago, and there is the mound of Amroth, where in happier days his high house was built. Here ever bloom the white flowers in the unfading grass, the yellow Eleanor and the pale Nifridil. Here we will stay a while and come to the city of the Galathrim at dusk. The others cast themselves down upon the fragrant grass, but Frodo stood a while still lost in wonder. It seemed to him that he had stepped through a high window that looked on a vanished world. A light was upon it for which his language had no name. We don't have a word in our language to describe this, is what Frodo's thinking. There is no word All that he saw was shapely, but the shapes seemed at once clear-cut as if they had been first conceived and drawn at the uncovering of his eyes and ancient as if they had endured forever. He saw no color but those he knew, gold and white and blue and green, but they were fresh and poignant as if he had at that moment first perceived them and made for them names new and wonderful. In winter here, no heart could mourn for summer or for spring. No blemish or sickness or deformity could be seen in anything that grew upon the earth. On the land of Lorien, there was no stain. The... Goes back to my description, Micah. Mm-hmm. Unblemished. This is, an, this is an Eden. 
He turned and saw that Sam was now standing beside him, looking round with a puzzled expression and rubbing his eyes as if he was not sure that he was awake. It's sunlight and bright day, right enough, he said. I thought that elves were all for moon and stars, but this is more elvish than anything I've ever heard tell of. I feel as if I was inside a song, if you take my meaning. Sam has a way with words, and mm-hmm. then he always excuses himself. If you take my yeah. meaning. Haldir looked at them, and he seemed indeed to take the meaning of both thought and word. He smiled. You feel the power of the Lady of the Galathrim, he said. Would it please you to climb with me up Karen Amroth? They followed him as he stepped lightly up the grass-clad slopes. Though he walked and breathed, and about him living leaves and flowers were stirred by the same cool wind as fanned his face, Frodo felt that he was in a timeless land that did not fade or change or fall into forgetfulness. I've goofed that up. (laughs) Forgetfulness. When he had gone and passed again into the outer world still, Frodo, the wanderer from the Shire, would walk there upon the grass among Eleanor and Nifredil in fair Lothlorien. They entered the circle of white trees. As they did so, the south wind blew upon Karen uh, Karen, uh, Amroth and sighed among the branches. Frodo stood still, hearing far off great seas upon branches that had long ago been washed away, and seabirds crying whose race had perished from the earth. Haldir had gone on and was now climbing to the high flat. As Frodo prepared to follow him, he laid his hand upon the tree beside the ladder. Never before had he been so suddenly and so keenly aware of the feel and texture of a tree's skin and of the life within it. He felt a delight in wood and the touch of it, neither as forester nor as carpenter. It was the delight of the living tree itself. As he stepped out at last upon the lofty platform, Haldir took his hand and turned him towards the south. Look this way first, he said. Frodo looked and saw, still at some distance, a hill of many mighty trees or a city of green towers, which it was he could not tell. Out of it, it seemed to him that the power and light came that held all the land in sway. He longed suddenly to fly like a bird to rest in the green city. Then he looked eastward and saw all the land of Lorien running down to the pale gleam of Anduin, the great river. He lifted his eyes across the river and all the light went out. And he was back again in the world he knew. Beyond the river, the land appeared flat and empty, formless and vague, until far away it rose again like a wall, dark and drear. The sun that lay on Lothlorien had no power to enlighten the shadow of that distant height. There lies the fastness of southern Mirkwood, said Haldir. 
It is clad in a forest of dark fir where the trees strive one against another and their branches rot and wither. In the midst upon the stony height stands Dol Guldur, where long the hidden enemy had his dwelling. Micah, remember when you first entered Mirkwood in Lord of the Rings Online? Mm-hmm. And you were disappointed? Yeah. Why were you disappointed? Because it wasn't Mirkwood. That's the best way I can put it. It's um, open and just, I mean... You don't think that it, it, it comports to this description? Well, it does in, in certain ways. The trees are dead. You know, the it looks very corrupt. Yeah. And um, Or corrupted. But, I, you know, I just have a... Well, I won't get into it big time, but yeah, I'm often disappointed with... Because <laughs> I won't criticize too harshly because oftentimes it's just my, my yes. vi- vision of it right. doesn't match up with what someone else thought of it. Right, so. right. Understood. Okay. Uh, Okay. In the midst upon the stony height stands Dol Guldur, (laughs) where long the hidden enemy had his dwelling. We fear that now it is inhabited again, and with power sevenfold, a black cloud lies over it of late. In this high place, you may see the two powers that are opposed to one another, and ever they strive now in thought. But whereas the light perceives the very heart of the darkness, its own secret has not been discovered. Not yet. He turned and climbed swiftly down, and they followed him. Let me read that line again so we can understand. In this high place, you may see the two powers that are opposed to one another. The darkness of Dol Guldur and, uh, and Mirkwood, right, is one. And the light of Lothlorien is the other. And ever they strive now in thought. But whereas the light, Lothlorien, perceives the very heart of the darkness, Mirkwood, Dol Guldur, its own secret, whose own secret, Lothlorien, the light's own secret, has not been discovered. Think I'm understanding that properly? Mm-hmm. He turned and climbed swiftly down, and they followed him. At the hill's foot, Frodo found Aragorn, standing still and silent as a tree. But in his hand was a small golden bloom of Eleanor, and a light was in his eyes. He was wrapped in some fair memory. And as Frodo looked at him, he knew that he beheld things as they once had been in this same place. For the grim years were removed from the face of Aragorn, and he seemed clothed in white, a young lord tall and fair. And he spoke words in the elvish tongue to one whom Frodo could not see. Arwen... Venemelda, Namari, he said, and then he drew a breath, and returning out of his thought, he looked at Frodo and smiled. Here is the heart of Elvendom on earth, he said, and here my heart dwells ever, unless there be a light beyond the dark roads that we still must tread, you and I. Come with me, and taking Frodo's hand in his, 
He left the hill of Kiran Amroth and came there never again as a living man. You need say no more. We'd best get a move on. There are still goblins about. Oh, bother. More mountains? No, don't you see? The sun is setting in the west, behind the mountains. We're on the other side, to the edge of the land beyond. Mike, I feel that we did, we rushed too quickly through the chapter. Well, that's unavoidable. Because yeah. there's so much to explore in there's every single so... every single page, every single sentence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the the this ending with Aragorn. Yeah, we'll definitely get more into him later though. Yeah, yeah. Uh I just want to remember and and keep in mind this flower that he's holding is called Eleanor. Let's remember that okay. for when we get uh closer to the end of the book. Okay. Uh, and the uh, the impact that this uh, visit is going to make on all of these individuals, right? But I'm particularly thinking of one uh, right now. Mm-hmm. Mike, anything that you need to add to any of that? Any of our thoughts I on Gimli? Anything? Don't believe so. No. All right. Well, then it is time to uh, carry on. I think that we have some. What uh, on earth are these? Replies to the party invitations. Good gracious. Yes, good gracious. We do have a reply to the party invitation. This was left on our Facebook page uh, by Andrew Weber. It says, greetings from a far away place. And I tried writing you an email, but it, this is technical stuff, but it kept getting pinged back. You might want to check that out. I did check it out, and then I got that fixed, and then something far worse happened. Oh, great. Uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about that in just a moment. It says, I don't know why it's taken me so long to send you guys a message. I've been listening a long time and really enjoy the show. Let me zoom this in for my old man eyes, shall we? Uh, all right. Um, and put this over here. I think you mean put on your spectacles because we don't use computers, right? We're oh, yes, 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 sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> uh, I've been listening a long time and really enjoy the show. I'm a big Tolkien fan. It was a total hoot <laughs> to find out early on. Early, uh, blah, 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 let me try that again. It was a total hoot to find out early on you were a Christian homeschool dad of six. And I uh, maybe I have, uh, this is me talking, maybe I've misrepresented my family. I have a family of six. F- I have four kids, mm-hmm. four, four kids that are all uh, have been homeschooled or are in the process of still being homeschooled. Two graduated, two have not. Uh, he says, I'm the same, but of seven. So I feel Goodness. inadequate. <laughs> I feel so inadequate. And then to discover your show was coming from Manchester, Tennessee. <laughs> I'm writing to you all the way from, drum roll please, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Wow. Yes. A whole long way away. That's our nearest uh, major uh, city. Uh, let's see here. In addition to listening to the show, I've allowed you to talk me into playing Lotro again. Nice. My wife wants to, me to tell you thanks a lot. Hmm. <laughs> I used to play years ago, uh, and his main character's name is uh, Veronway. Uh, anyway, carrying on about the, la- the latest episode. And I just scrolled right past it. Come on. 
will do this. About the latest episode, I haven't been to Lorien in Lotro, but I didn't care for the way it was portrayed in the movie. Reading the book, the impression I got was of a place that was absolutely ideal, but also absolutely natural. What could be achieved when corruption can be kept out? It puts me in mind of the Garden of Eden. Hey, we're simpatico there. If we could somehow go back, I think we would be blown away by the beauty of it. But it wouldn't be strange. Lothlorien, I'm thinking, specifically comes uh, specifically about um, Cateris uh, Galathan uh, in the movie comes across as alien and not yes. and not and a, not a little creepy. I am in complete agreement with that. It is. Lorien is natural, you know, and it the best way is to describe it as ideal because it's not above ideal. It's not like something from the movie Avatar. It or doesn't something. transcend. Yeah, it's within, you know, our Reason? knowledge, but perfect. <laughs> oh, oh, yes, so. yes, yes. We can understand. Yes, and that's really Tolkien is writing words that he understands, and it conveys this thing. And so when he says that it uh, that it seems uh, it comes across as alien and uh, and just you know a little bit creepy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he says, of course, that's just my two cents. About Amazon's upcoming Middle-Earth show, I'm very pessimistic about it. I don't have any rationale for that feeling except our current entertainment culture. My fear is they will present us with a TV-slash-MA bloodbath with naked, cavorting elves on a quest for social justice. <laughs> Mike and I also are... Uh, Wary. Yes, very. Okay. Uh, I have never in my life seen Game of Thrones. And the reason why, I remember when it first came out, and I was uh, back then part of uh, of an entity called Middle Earth Network. And uh, that was a fun suite of websites that we had. And I ran the radio station for that. We had a, a 24-7 Middle Earth radio station. And we did podcasts. And we had a social networking site and all these wonderful things. Well, I remember when that came out and there was just all kinds of, of excitement about Game of Thrones. And, and then I heard one person say, it's nothing more than softcore porn, you know, in, in a cool setting. Right, and you got dragon, whatever thrones and dragons and sword battles and things, and and but it, that's just a that's just a wrapper for softcore porn, and um, and I think uh, I think that Andrew make brings a, a very valid concern. So I'd like to hear from other listeners, listeners to the Secret Fire podcast. You know that we're a Christian show. That's what that's what this is all about. Um, do you have those same types of concerns as Andrew and Micah and I? What are your thoughts? Um, are there enough people that would... Uh, uh, I mean, I'm wondering if Tolkien fans are a smaller group than Lord of the Rings fans. Do you know what I mean? Oh, most certainly. Absolutely, I would say they're... Tolkien J fans, admirers of the professor of J.R.R. Tolkien make up a smaller group than fans of the than Lord of the Rings the and the Hobbit. Corporate. And, yes, right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and I do know that many people that are, quote, I'm using, you know, bunny ears here, that are huge fans of the Lord of the Rings that actually have never the read the books. Movies. Yes, if yeah. they've never read the books. Um, so, I mean, 
anyway, I, I, I agree with you, Andrew. Great thoughts. Uh, thank you for, for contacting us on that. We didn't get any other um, any other feedback other than, well, of course, we always get you know small messages and, and things from uh, Twitter and Facebook and, and things like that. And we appreciate all of that stuff. So we'll give you all the ways to contact us here in just a moment when we send out more uh, party invitations. But first, it's time for our party tree segment, Micah. And boy, do we have some fantastic news this week. Last week, I blew up our website. Oh, good job. Completely destroyed it. And right now, if you are watching on the video, you will see uh, a, a scene from uh, from the Lord of the Rings that I encountered last week. And that was, uh, uh, here I come. Uh, I'm already, I mentioned last episode... I don't like running websites. I have no business in the back end tweaking on websites. I create content. That's what I do. And so it's already a dangerous place for me to be when I go on the back end of the website to do something, tweak some code here, do something there. And I thought I got our, our email uh, problems taken care of, but here comes this big old ball rog. Okay. <laughs> My last time back there, uh, I go in because I was going to upload a picture that I was going to share with all of our um, our fellowship members. And lo and behold, the website isn't there. And not just Secret Fire Podcast, uh, all of our websites, GCT Network, uh, Secret Fire Podcast, the Theonauts website, they are gone, gone. And so I'm not exactly sure what I did, but I was waylaid by a Balrog. I'm not even sure how something like that would happen, but I'm, I've never even dabbled with websites, so it's no fun. But we have to run on a on a WordPress platform. It needs to be a self-hosted WordPress site for certain plugins that I need to have, especially for the podcast. Well, here's the consequences of lo- of those websites being lost uh, over five years of work. Okay, all kinds of blogs and articles, and of course, all of the podcasts, hundreds of podcasts, uh, and uh, and so because the website was gone, then the uh, the feed for the podcasts were gone. Okay, and uh, um, that means that the next time that iTunes or Google Podcasts or uh, Stitcher Radio or TuneIn Radio goes and crawls our feed to see if there's any new episodes, it will see that there are, in fact, none to be found. There's no feed, and then it will purge it from the system. Right now, Frodo's saying, no, as Gandalf fell. (laughs) Okay. That's what's going on on the video. If you want to see that and you're a podcast listener, get over to our YouTube channel. Just search for Secret Fire Podcast on YouTube. Uh, regardless, or getting back to the story, I was able to go and uh, into my podcast app before it got crawled, the feed got crawled, and before everybody figures out, hey, there's nothing there, and I was able to copy all the text for all of Secret Fire Podcast and uh, the last 100 episodes of our other podcast, uh, Finding Christ in Cinema. Uh, and so I will be able to uh, to recreate those, and I will backdate the posts to be uh, when the original release date. But here's the heads up for you fellowship members. Your podcast app, you're going to start seeing all the way back from episode zero. You're going to start seeing it pop up in your uh, podcast app again. Uh, now, uh, either just go in there and delete it or take this opportunity to start over again 
and uh, listen to what we have said in the past. And so that's my, that's really my well-mannered frivolity. That was fun. I have no words to no. add into that. So, <laughs> But I would like everybody else also that are watching on the video to see. Oh, no boy. What is it? I'm not going to say. You say. <laughs> I have my Hobbit feet on for this show. <laughs> uh, so, hey, the call is still out there for anybody that has, you know, even a very minimal amount of time to uh, dedicate, to uh, donate, to uh, running uh, the Secret Fire podcast website on the back end. It's technically it's the GCT Network uh, website. Um, if you're a genius on that kind of stuff and you will not nuke the websites, please, I want to talk with you. <laughs> That's one big requirement is that you don't so nuke that you it. do not nuke the websites. And Dad filled that requirement. Yes, so. I did. So, anything from you, Micah? Any updates? Anything mm, going nope. on that's fun? Not really. No. Well. What are we going to talk about next time? We just finished a chapter. The very next chapter is The Mirror of Galadriel. Moving on. Chapter six of book two. Hey, but before we go, we need to send out some party invitations for y'all. The Secret Fire podcast is live in the GCT Network studio whenever we are actually live. Uh, We have just done uh, two shows in a row. Well, Every other week. That's what we're shooting for. Every other week here. Uh, Well, we'll send out notifications when we're broadcasting on our Twitch page. And the best way to get notified when we're live in the studio is via Twitter, at SecretFireCast. And you can join us on the Arkenstone server in Lord of the Rings Online at LOTRO.com. Yes, you can send email to us because it works now at secret, to secretfire at gctnetwork.com. You can also call us on the Hobbit hotline at 507-407-GCTN. That's 507-407-4286. Fatty Bulger is standing by at Crick Hall. Well, let's make sure... Hey, Fatty! He's always standing by. He says hello, Elias. Well, he's a hobbit. He's always standing by. Uh, You can subscribe to Secret Fire Podcast in any of your podcast apps. I was able to update that feed, so uh, um, they shouldn't even realize that something bad had happened. So go into Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, or your favorite podcatcher. Search them all for Secret Fire Podcast. Our theme song, Hobbit's Dance, is from the album Memories of Middle-Earth by Brob Dignoggy and Bards. Find out more about them and buy all the music on their website at thebards.net. To find out more about the Secret Fire podcast, as well as our other shows, including Finding Christ in Cinema and The Theonauts, visit our main website at gctnetwork.com, which is currently under construction. It's up there, but it is sparse. We'll Maintenance. Get that. Yes. Now, if you like the Secret Fire podcast, please share it with your friends and Also, review the show in iTunes. Uh, That helps people discover it. If you love the Secret Fire podcast, please uh, consider becoming a patron and sustaining member of the fellowship on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash GCTN. And until next time... I regret to announce this is the end. I'm going now. I bid you all a very fond farewell. Goodbye. Bye. It was tied to a. Uh... Did we say flat last time? Yes. Did we say mallorn tree? A mallorn tree. There. <laughs> <laughs>
tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission. This is your Great Commission Transmission. At GCTNetwork.com.